I am Tim Schwab. I'm the CEO of RPG Labs. I'm a three-time entrepreneur. I've had one acquisition, one failure. This is my third attempt. I've raised uh, over $2 million, both for my companies and acting as the primary fundraiser uh, for other startups as well. Um, and so today I'm talking to Josh, who is working on uh, working on his startup. And uh, he had an investor reach out today. And so I really want to hear about how that went. And then I'll share some of my you know, the thinking and strategies that I've seen that are successful when it comes to interacting with investors. And hopefully it's helpful. My goal with all of this is to be, is to help people and to help aspiring entrepreneurs. So um, hopefully we, uh, we achieve that. So Josh, welcome. And why don't you uh, give me the quick intro? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm Josh Chesting, um, working on a startup called Threadis, which is an apparel and accessories marketplace that incentivizes customers to share products within their social communities. So, uh, yeah, um, it's definitely been going well. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping into this conversation. Cool. So where can people learn more about Threadist real quick? Is it Threadist.com? Yep. You can go to Threadist.com and sign up for early access. We're uh, looking to launch our beta product within the next few months. So let's just keep all of our fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So cool. Let's jump in, dude. Tell me about um, <clears throat> tell me about the uh, you know the inquiry you got. Right. So actually, um, so a guy named Alexi Klimpner he reached out um, uh, about like last week, saying that he came across my startup on AngelList and. Uh, he just sent me an email on LinkedIn, you know, said, you know, like he was interested that he was a co-founder of Ease Up, or uh, yeah. which is a marijuana delivery service. And he was looking for his next uh, cool project to work on. Just to be clear, marijuana delivery service, that's just legal drug dealing, right? Like, let's be real. Anyway, continue. They're a middleman, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. They're not even the ones with the product. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, he he reached out and we scheduled a, a call for today uh, just just for him to get some more information. Uh, but, you know, I had to do my research. So, you know, looked up, you know, um, exactly what he was involved in, what he's done so far and, you know, decided that this would be a cool opportunity to do some sort of pitch. Sure. And, Definitely. Uh, yeah. So how'd it go? So he, so you guys got on the phone and, um, you know, how did it, did you, how did it start? You know, walk me, walk me through it as best as you can remember. Sure. So, um, I also had my co-founder jump on the line, which he should probably be a part of one of these, these settings or, or Wait, I thought you didn't have one of those. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I this is recent. So that, you gotta talk about that too. Um, but anyway, let's, let's, let's stay focused. Okay. And by let's, I mean me. Yeah. So uh, just just a little background. I brought on a co-founder. His name is Patrice LaQuinte, and he is uh, he's he's uh, really good at brand influence and uh, um, uh, I guess uh, promotions. So not uh, a developer. Not a developer. That is actually a, a good thing in my eyes. But what? All right. Well, explain that, Greg. Well, um, mostly because uh, I, I kind of have, uh, I'm, I'm holding down the, the, the technical 
skills right now. So I need oh, to kind of focus on the, the business side. And um, we're, we're actually uh, uh, bringing on some iOS developers too. That Very good. About. But, so, yeah. So um, how the conversation went, you know, uh, got on, got on the phone, you know, he's like, you know, so tell me more about Threadis. Gave him the, the, the spiel. Really, really went through our pitch deck, which uh, I still haven't looked at. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no problem. We're still kind of updating, but it, you never get it really done. I mean, the reality of the pitch deck is you get it ready for one investor, and then the next time you talk to one, you change it up, and it's it's a it's an organic thing if you do it right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's definitely uh, it's it's a work in progress. So that's right. <laughs> so you went through the pitch and uh do you remember the questions he asked so some of the key questions he asked uh, uh was uh one uh how are we going to monopolize the market um so think peter till and you know his, his zero to one book and you know how he talks about uh how startups should be shoot, shooting to monopolize the market mm-hmm. and uh sounds like something that he believes in yeah, definitely. So, um, so, so I just, he asked about that. What else did he ask about? So pretty much uh, general questions like how we plan on making money, <laughs> right. you know, uh, our, our go-to-market strategy, what problem are we really trying to solve, and, and how are we different from other startups out there already? So Yeah, yeah why invest in you versus someone who looks very similar, right? Exactly. Is that question. Okay, so cool. So then um, with after... You went through uh, the after you went through the pitch. Um, then you know, how did you respond to the uh, the first question? So actually, um, so the the monopolizing question right. was last, and that's what tripped me up the most. Actually, uh, let's start elsewhere then. So so you you do the pitch, and uh-huh. then um, you know I'm you know I imagine the way these typically go is they go oh okay cool, um, and then they go through their list of questions. So uh-huh. he probably asked you when it started, when you started working on this, did he ask about your background? Yeah. He asked about background too. Can't forget that. And, yep. uh, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, we, we, we pretty much nailed that. I, I, I must say, you know, we, you know, me and my co-founder, we definitely are, uh, diverse in terms of, uh, what we bring to the table. And, uh, as you know, Tim, I've, I've kind of been looking for a co-founder, so, it's uh it's definitely been a long time coming uh so i'm glad i took my time with that but yeah yeah so yeah so we started off talking about the problem we are trying to solve which is you know this whole this uh pain point of purchasing from brands on social community sites like instagram or or twitter or facebook um and and and, you know it, it makes sense because you know I'm sure the founders, they, they want to make sure that it's not too salesy. Like this is supposed to be a community where, uh, where, where people are just supposed to, you know, hang out and interact. It shouldn't necessarily be an advertising platform. And, and, and you'll hear a lot of people, uh, 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 making fuss about like sites like Facebook when they introduce new advertising, uh, uh, methods or, you know, there's some type of new layout change. Right. Yeah. People, uh, for social media in general, people do not like 
their social lives being infused with ads unless they're done really well and they're targeted really well and they're not pushy, it seems like. Both pushy in copy and in um, real estate on the website, right? Um, so interesting. Okay. Definitely. So, yeah. And so uh, after we talked about the problem, you know, he kind of he kind of got it early on. How'd you know? How did I know? That he got um, it. Yeah. Well, because he suggested uh, he suggested that we uh, um, test out some other methods uh, in terms of getting uh, um, uh, different or uh, methods in terms of differentiating our product with uh, between others. So uh, well, yeah, well, be- yeah, that's interesting. So, what were were his suggestions good? Yeah, I mean, so initially he. Um, he basically said that, you know, he, he thought that our, our 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 one of our programs, this this whole social share discount program, is basically he was thinking it was um, more like a a person to person discount. So basically, like think Dropbox, where you know if if you share um, Dropbox with friends, then you both receive a discount, uh, or or you, in in Dropbox case, you both receive free. Uh, space right but with threadist it's more so no these brands are already offering a discount if or in exchange for sharing right so it's so it's only the sharer that gets the discount right that's it they're they are the ones who get the discount they won't they uh, don't get extra discounts for when would you choose either approach you say why? No, when would you choose one approach and when would you choose the other? Because my immediate thought is if if you give me 15% off something that I think my friends will like and then I can give them 15% off, that makes me feel like a cool friend. On the other hand, if I can get 15% off by sharing with my friends um, and then I feel pretty awesome for getting that 15% off. Um but I haven't thought any further than that. So you're a little closer to it. What do you? When would you use one or or the other? Well, hmm. or maybe I, in your case, why are you? Why why have you landed on the one you have? Might be the better question. Well, I think it's definitely a a, a test that needs to be ran. Um, I think that well, for one, we we see that with with new brand influencer sites that are popping up, that it is valuable to share um, products within your social networks because brands end up getting more impressions, mm-hmm. which, which is definitely good. Um, and so, so like that, that's something that's basically been validated. Um, something that's new is this whole, okay, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to offer you a discount for you sharing. Um, so th- like basically that's going to have to be tweaked a lot. You know, I have to basically figure out, um, what's more valuable to the brand, especially new brands at that, you know, because, you know, for instance, there's a That's site right. called Popular Days, which might be a competitor, but they say that, oh, you, well, you need 500 followers at least to join this platform. And the more followers you have, the bigger discounts you'll get. Interesting. Um, very interesting. Um, so like we're, we're kind of taking the approach of, okay, we're going to try to mobilize all of your customers seeing that you're a new brand. You're, you're, you're willing to take more risk. Sure. Master. Absolutely. 
And then Which from is- from Threadist's own brand perspective, that whole strategy of you need X amount of followers, that reeks to me of a luxury brand type right. strategy, right? We're like like Amex black card, like you need to have X in order to get that. And right. they're targeting affluent people. So um, you know, you and I have, have talked a lot about about Threadist. I've spent some time thinking about it. And um, I had a good place to go on that, and then I lost it. Uh, where was I? It happens to the best. It, to the I, I hope so. I hope so. It happens to the worst, too, yeah. I imagine. But uh, <laughs> but uh, where was I? Okay, the branding in terms of uh, affluent-type brand. Oh, so Threadist, in my perspective, has you have two customers, right? You've got yeah. brands. And then you've mm-hmm. got, you know, the people that, that buy from those brands, right? And right. you need to kind of serve both of them. And you've got kind of, and you should have different, um, different strategies for both. Because if you, if you, if you, it's a balance. Because if you do everything the brands want, you'll annoy the people. Right. If you do everything the people want, then the brands don't want to work with you. So right. it's, it's a tricky balance. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely tricky to the point where, like, like basically when, uh, if, if you, uh, ever check out, um, like a strategy for marketplaces, they say that you should focus on the brands first, but as the more brands you get, um, the more important it is to bring on, uh, consumers. Right. Yeah. Which is, in my opinion, is kind of interesting because some people will think, no, you need to get the consumers on the. The site first but that's actually not the best way to go simply because um simply because like a, a brand will stay on your site longer without any uh i guess uh demand longer than a user would stay on a site where there's no suppliers uh that's true yeah yeah, yeah i was yeah. kind of surprised at that it makes sense uh, i mean but on the other hand, if you the if the threadist brand is able to attract people in the way that you have, um, then that's the brand that become that you that is attracting people. And then as you right. add brands that you're working with, then that just adds to your brand, right? So it's not a I don't think it's a one or the other thing. It's like, in my opinion, it's like if you can get users signed up like you have that are the right users, then. Mm. Um, then great. And then while you're doing that, you use those numbers when you're talking to brands, right? And then you right. say, Oh, I've got all these people waiting for you that want to buy your stuff. Um, yeah. and so that's awesome. And then you tell your consumers like, Hey, this stuff is coming. If you share, you know, we'll be able to get you bigger discounts or better deals or whatever. And that's how I see that working when I run it in my head anyway, but you're closer to it. So you might know better. No, no, definitely. I mean, it's it's definitely like you have to have some type of balance. That's why they say marketplaces are are, are pretty difficult to build. I didn't know. I clearly didn't know what I was getting. None of us in. do. Like <laughs> even with RPG, like I know I knew going in how big of an idea it was, but like I, you never, like you never, never have any idea. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it, right? Like you wouldn't get into it, and then once you're into it, it's too late, and you're like, oh, shit. So it's the crazy ones. It's the crazy ones. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah. So, so cool. So is this dude going to invest? I don't know yet. I, 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 um, 
where he's he said he, he wants to talk with his partner. Um, I don't even know if he's he's uh, he, he's planning on investing as as much as offering advice and being a, 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 an advisor in addition to you, Tim. But um, like he basically said that you know um, that he's definitely like interested in in the project and that um, did did he, he wants to have another conversation? Did he ask how he could help? Not yet, not yet. And, and and I say not yet because of what you've told me in the past is like you kind of got to develop that relationship. This was our our first shot at even this was our first talk with an angel investor. Right. So we're, we're definitely pretty happy with that. Yes. I would be happy that you got inbound interest from someone that looks and smells like they have money to invest. I would right. be really happy about that for sure. Definitely. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm keeping the faith. Like, you know, he did ask like how much money we were raising. I told him 10 to 15 K for our family and friends round. Sure. And, uh, uh we didn't get to the seed. You, you say on angel list, do you, or does your profiles for threat say that you're raising? Yeah, it definitely uh, does. That's why the, yeah. Okay. So now the inbound makes a little more sense. That's the trigger that they see. Okay, I would be careful with that button in the future, my friend, but you're probably set up okay for what you're describing now. Um, uh, yeah, wow, you can only so- pull that lever once. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I've actually had to change the valuation because, yep. so being pre-revenue, it's like you don't really, like you're, you're really guessing, but so I put, you know, how much we're raising based on how much money I think we need to build a, a scalable business right. and, and to run at least two or three experiments. Right. Um, and I, I think that's, I think that's legit. Um, I still actually have some, some information I need to fill out on, on Angelus, but we all do. You know, yeah. it's, it's so much, man. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. It's true. Even if like you let, you let me like link all my data from all my other social stuff. It's just like, ah, and like yeah. I, I can only pitch myself so much, and I like this stuff, but Jesus, um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean that's that's typically how it goes. And the the approach that I've seen that works well for the for the guys I know have raised like a lot of money, um, like Chris Hull's at Life Three Hundred and Sixty. I always really appreciated his approach because socially he's not as good as you and I are, so we uh-huh. had to rely on his ability to like treat it like a almost like a machine or like a program and they would pull the right levers in order for it to work, but he couldn't rely on charisma. He couldn't rely on being likable. Right. So he had to, so he had to really have a formulaic approach. And so the last time we talked, I think I mentioned that my philosophy on fundraising is that it's the same thing as dating. Yeah. Right. And so when people ask how much I'm raising, uh, typically at least at this stage, and you're at a, a similar stage, so I know the numbers in my head that we need. I've got two, two of my um, founders, Tara and Matt, are are both you know have other engagements full time, which is you know fine, and this is a, a passion project for them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know how much money I need in order to get them on full time and to give us twelve months runway because I'm not right. going to hire capable people like that and put them on a salary unless I know that they're secure for twelve months, right? Like I'm just not going to do that. Um, and that's, you know, you don't have to do it that way. That's just me. But my, um, 
the way that the way that I approach it is I'll be like, well, you know, I'm actually not raising right now or not. Unfortunately, you're saying you're raising an angel. Uh, so that's tricky. But uh, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, but so uh, but as I get further into this, there'll be stuff you can use. So what I, I typically say, yeah, you know, I'm not really raising right now, but um, you know, since you're interested in this space or since you're, um, you know, since you, you seem to really get what we're doing or, you know, anything like that. Um, then I'll say, you know, you know, we, we'd be able to get you in on a small round we're doing now with family and friends. Mm -hmm. Um, we might be able to get you in because the reality is, is that I'm not just gaming the system when I'm saying this, because the reality is that you need to filter investors and advisors just as much as they filter you. So by saying we might be able to get you in, that's not the, maybe the way that, uh, Chris Hulls would look at that would be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making it seem like we're oversubscribed, but my perspective isn't that my perspective is that I don't know if I want them to have any like say or piece of this business yet, because this is just the first, you know, one or two times we've talked, like, I don't know yet. And so I'll say, you know, we, we might be able to get you in. I'd like to talk a little bit more. And then, um, you know, then I ask them how much they typically invest, which is, um, and I know this really well because I invested in life 360 and this is the conversation I had with Chris. And -hmm. then this was the conversation I had with investors when I was raising on, on their behalf. So, Mm Um, then I would ask, you know, how much do you typically invest? And they'll be like, oh, you know, between five and 10 or whatever, you know, angels, I mean, you'd be doing really good if you can get 20. I mean, super angels, I haven't seen one. Um, but, um, they tell you, and then you can go, oh, cool. Have you, have you invested in, in other startups? And then they'll go, oh yeah, there's one or two. And you can gauge how serious they are. Um, a lot of people like playing investor and like I, on my Angelus profile, it says I'm an investor, but um, I'm very clear with people that I'm currently not investing. Right? Like I don't, I don't want people coming to me looking for money. I want, you know, that's that's not it. So, um, so, so just to, to summarize, um, the 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 big key here is that you need to be evaluating them just as much as they're evaluating you to be a part of your team, just like you would a co-founder really. Um, and then on the other side of it, you need to be checking with them to make sure that they are actively investing and that they've got the money to do it. And if they're a new investor, um, I would always recommend letting them know like, Hey, you know, I'm really confident about this business. I, Mm. I think it's gonna, I think it's a good investment. Otherwise I wouldn't be raising money. However, Mm. this isn't a guarantee. And, you know, chances are, you know, most startups fail. So even though things look good and everything I'm telling you is true, you have mm-hmm. to understand that, right? And now with a seasoned investor like this guy, you don't need to worry about that. Um, but with someone new, like when I invested in Life360, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had some money I'd saved up from my uh, my past life and sales. And um, I basically took 10% of that and assumed right away that I was just going to throw it away. And mm-hmm. it would just be for fun. And so I invested... Um, about ten thousand in Life three sixty, and then that um, and that conversation Chris had with me was like, you need like this isn't this isn't a guarantee at all. He's like, all of this could fall away, fall apart tomorrow, right. and that was a later stage. Like I had already kind of we already went through all those other questions. He knew I wanted to give him money, right? right. And then so rather than quickly get it from me, he was like, all right, now hold on a sec, which I really respected about him, and I would only really recommend that with 
uh, you know, people that are investing for their first time or whatever, because you'll run into them, especially with family and friends, right? Yeah. Especially if you're looking to get money from them, that's a, that's a good conversation to have. Um, that's actually what I've uh, been kind of uh, getting my uncle and my uh, brother-in-law kind of interested in uh, trying to uh, sit down with me and even talk about some type of family and friends round and. You know, I'm definitely like, you know, like my mom is kind of like, well, she doesn't really want me to ask family and friends in the first place. But like, uh, like I, I understand that I need to pitch it as if it, it, this is a risk. Yeah. Right? Assume that you're flushing this money down the toilet. Right. <laughs> I literally tell people that if they're not a, like a like, you know, a um, an accredited investor with experience doing it, like. When I pitched my family and friends, they're all very pragmatic and I didn't get any money from any of them. But, you know, that's what I told them. Like when some of them got interested, I'm like, you need to understand this isn't your 401k. Right. right. You know, so anyway, that's good. Um, In general, though, like it's just like dating. Like what you'll find is that that first money that you raise is the hardest money to raise. And after once you've raised some money, the rest is so much easier. Like uh, once we got into... Uh, 500 startups we were able to quickly get an extra 100k mm-hmm. um, an extra 150k like a, really soon after before we even had demo day right so um so that helped out and then so once that happened i was like man imagine what would happen if i could get like general catalyst mm-hmm. or um or graylock both of which you know i know you know I, I have good relationships with partners there so i was always like man if i could get those guys to invest I guarantee we'd have people beating down the door because the, the way that um, the way that it differs from dating in some capacity is that um, well, maybe not, but um, (laughs) is that, you know, investors are lemmings by and large. They (laughs) prove it time in time out. Right. I mean, nobody cares about any company until one of the top five invest and it's on TechCrunch, and then suddenly everybody cares about them. But what none of us see is how hard it is to get there, typically. And certainly, you know, most of our listeners um, who haven't been through the fundraising cycle, um, you know, it is hard work. But once you get that first money, you're good to go. Um, the other advice I got from uh, Mark Goldstein, who's one of my friends, uh, who was one of the original board members at Salesforce.com and is now running his own fund, um, he said, he said he has never seen a startup raise uh, without having advisors. Right. I thought that was interesting. Right. So I'm not sure if that's because of the relationships they have or the credibility or a combination of the two, but, um, but I thought that was interesting. So, so cool. So this sounds like a relationship where you'll, you know, keep him, um, you know, keep him engaged with what's going on. And then, um, you know, when, so the other question I have for you is let's, and I think I asked you this earlier, but just refresh my memory. So if you do not raise any money in the next six months, what happens? Do you guys keep going? Yeah, we definitely keep going. Um, I mean, I mean, is ever, is you, are you and your co-founder in a position where you're able to keep the business going with, if you do not raise any money in six months? Yeah, definitely. Good. Definitely. Good, because you cannot, like, they will smell desperation on you, just like women, right? Just like, you know, nobody wants you until you're dating somebody, right? And if 
exactly. If you go out there and you're like, man, I just really need to be in a relationship and I really need what you have to offer. Like, I mean, just imagine like it'd yeah. be awful. Um, and so the, you always kind of need to have the attitude of like, we don't, I don't need it. Right. I need I'm- this money. However, you know, if, you know, I think we're going to get here no matter what. Um, and so everyone on the team is willing to keep going. Um, you know, if we don't raise money, we'll still be here. Right. But, um, if we are able to raise X amount that I've planned out and that I know what I'll do with and et cetera, et cetera, then we'll be able to get there faster. And I think with your help and relationships or whatever it is they're offering other than money, you need to put some value in that too, because they like to think that that's part of what they offer, even though typically it's nothing, but, um, you know, you can say, you know, and with your help, you know, I think we'll be able to uh, maybe even, you know, go further than that. And I think that's, I, you know, that's the approach I saw work really well with Chris and with the other startups. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what I've seen what works well. Um, yeah. I, I guess I will be applying that then because, um, yeah, I'm, I definitely don't want to seem desperate. Uh, but if that's where you're at, don't raise. Right. Yeah. Like if you're like, th- it has to be real. Like Chris, Chris at life 360 was real about it to some extent. Like his numbers were real, but like every, it wasn't it, it, typically, it wasn't coming um, from an authentic place. He was really trying to game it, but I kind of take the reverse approach where I go, no, get clear with your founders and your team about mm-hmm. the realities of this and like talk about it and like, okay, what happens if we don't raise money? What, yeah. You know, in three months, what metrics do we need to see in order to keep going with this? Yeah. Right? And then um, beyond that, something that I do that I haven't really seen too many other people do is that, you know, once you have um, a, you know, a technical co-founder or at least just a founding team in place, the conversation I always like to have is like, look, here are the avenues I see for us to make money. Um, none of them may work out. The real value here is this team. And so if these don't work out, I, you know, our goal here is to get as good as possible as work at working as a team so that we can be ready to try out other ideas, maybe in completely unrelated areas than where we're focusing now. Um, and so that's kind of how I always, um, be, because I mean, there, I don't, I don't really have, we don't have traction yet. Right. So we don't know where the, where anything's coming or right. where to focus our energies. So, um, so yeah, those are the, those are the things that you want to make sure are real because that's the value, the values in the team and investors say that, and that's not lip service. I mean, you could have a crappy team and if Sequoia puts money in, you'll still raise money and that's the yeah. way that it is. But if you've got a killer team or just a team that you can make look good in a pitch deck, um, but again, I mean, don't take on founders that just look good on paper or employees. It's always a bad look. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. So those are my thoughts on that so far. So the, okay. And then in terms of, in terms of fundraising, um, other, are you actively reaching out to investors as well? I'm asking for advice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been, uh, I've definitely been, trying to develop relationships with a few investors, um, which is, which is tough, you know, it is. um, but you know, I, you know, I just, I gotta, gotta keep the faith up. 
Um, and you know, like this is really the only reason I'm really raising money is because, um, I don't want to necessarily tie up my own income with, with like other, with other stuff. Um, and, and not in a sense where like, cause I'm already putting money in, but more so like putting in enough so that, you know, I can uh, hire a developer, you know, or, or I can really dedicate some funds to a resource. Like it's just not possible right now for me. Yeah. Me either. And so like, that's, it's like, like people always say like it's a chicken and an egg problem, you know? It is. Um, So like, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely something I'm, I'm willing to uh, accept and, and, and put more money in, into, you know, in the future, even if it does take me a little while longer. Right. Um, the only thing is, and, and I can understand why a lot of people are, or become desperate is because they're, they're scared of time. Like, you know, time is your, your greatest asset. And if you miss the train and, and, in, in, in some, uh, in some markets, if you miss the train, then, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to build because now you, you, you have an incumbent, who has already established themselves and are basically blocking you out of the market, you know? So that's something that feels, I, I guarantee that feels desperation for a lot of people. And, I, and I'm really not trying to, to, to even appear to be desperate. That's, that's for sure. So it's like, uh, I got to figure out how I'm going to do this. Yeah. I mean, you just don't, I mean, just the, the way that you don't appear desperate is by not being desperate, right? Is by, <laughs> it's the only way you do it. Otherwise you're just trying to game shit and it's yeah. not the right approach. So, and I don't get that vibe from you that you'd be comfortable trying to game the system for too long. Um, yeah. I think after a while it would kind of rub you the wrong way. So yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> that's the vibe I get from you anyway. So, um, so yeah, let me, let me think. I had a good point there. Um, but yeah, I don't think about competition much. I, I never like, um, so two things, competition. And then the other thing is doing like outbound outreach to investors. So I, I made my career basically in outbound sales and building outbound sales teams and prospecting and basically getting people to talk to me who I don't know and building relationships with them, either Mm -hmm. by cold calling, cold emailing, whatever. And that was my career. I'm one of the best I've seen at it. I don't like doing it really unless I have to, but it was just something I happened to be good at. And so I used it to make some money early in my career. So, um, so I tried to do the same thing with investors, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I tried cold emailing. I tried cold calling. I tried, um, I tried just about, you know, all of the tricks that, uh, that work really well for me everywhere else. Not a single investor invested that I reached out to. The only people that invested are the people that um, are the people that came to me, mm. right? And I'm good at that. Like so, so on the one hand, like I don't want to discourage you with that because I, you're in a different industry, reaching out to different people. But for me, in the B two B, I was even in the sales space. Right. Like I, my last company was beat. Like it did cold emailing. That's what sales beach did. So I used the product to sell sales beach, which worked great with our sales side, but when, with investors, when I tried it, I mean, I guess I can credit it to the a relationship I got at Greylock. Um, mm-hmm. cause I'm, I'm still 
pretty close with uh, Dan Portillo, who's their managing partner, or head of recruitment or recruiting partner or something. Anyway, so he saw my emails from Sales Beach. Was like, he was like, dude, we're he's like, we're not. It, you know, I can hook you up with the right people, but you know, this the your follow up is amazing, and you know, if you ever want to work at one of our portfolio companies, let me know. And um, our software was automating all that. And so he had no idea. And so <laughs> when I told him that, when I was like, look, all of your portfolio companies can have this type of tenacity and follow-up mm-hmm. because we did this with Sales Beach. And he was like, you have to call me. And they ended up using it for their recruiting efforts. But I, I still couldn't get them to invest. And a lot of that had to do with us just not being in a place where they, you know, or in a you know, in a market or industry that they were investing in and our metrics just being too early. But that's really all I can, on the investment side, not, nothing else happened. I had a bunch of conversations that went nowhere. Um, but with the inbound stuff, uh, it was just like, if you do it right and you've got the right team, you've got the right approach, your pitch deck's good, has the team slide and the hockey stick projections, all that stuff. And, um, when you get the inbound interest, it's interesting because they'll just kind of lead you through their process mm-hmm. and you just kind of strap in for the ride and they've kind of already made a decision before you even get in the room. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's when it's, um, Hey Scott. Uh, so I'm, I'm talking about my previous startup right now, uh, because Josh and I are talking about, um, investing and, um, raising money or raising money from investors and so I was talking about my experience at, uh, at my last startup and how my attempts to reach out to investors, like cold calling, um, ultimately led to nothing. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then all of the inbound interest that I got was, yeah, exactly. So then all the inbound interest I got was, uh, was much faster and was a lot easier. And, um, and so what I was saying, Josh, is that if you set it up right, you literally just kind of go through their process. They've already kind of made up their mind and it's yours to screw up. Mm. <laughs> right? Like all you have to do is not screw up if you have all those elements right. And they came inbound and mm. you know, you'll still ask the questions like, are you, do you invest and whatever? But if they're real interested, they'll come right out and tell you. They're like, they're like, yeah, we typically invest 50 to hundred K. Um, you know, we're investing in your space. You know, we're actively investing now. And they'll just lay it out for you. Um, and that's really nice. So that is the benefit of, um, you know, just kind of managing it the right way. Have you read Paul Graham's stuff on fundraising from Y Combinator? So I, I definitely read his essays. Um, yeah. I probably have read it. I've probably read it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you have. Uh, but it's, it's the, he's, what he's basically saying is the same thing I'm saying is that it's dating right? Fundraising is dating. Nobody wants you until you've got someone. Once you've got someone, they're beating down your door. Um, nobody wants you when you're desperate, when you need someone, you can't get them right. Everything. Like just, if you just noodle that around in your head for a little bit and you've got any experience, um, you know, trying to, trying to (laughs) have more success with the, with the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever boat you're in, you, uh, (laughs) you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's how you need to approach it. Um, in my opinion, that's where I've seen the most success. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'll be doing the same thing here. I plan to raise, uh, 5 million for RPG next year. Um, 
may not happen, but I imagine our first two, 100 to 200K will happen in the first or second quarter if everything keeps going the way that, um, that I expect it to. And I'll be talking about all of that openly. And, you know, I've been meaning to do a session where I just cold call investors live just to see that what happens. I think so. Like, number one, it would get me to do it because I hate doing it, even though I'm good at it. Like, I just hate it. Uh, so it would get me to do it. But then two, like, I don't know. I think it would just be interesting. So yeah. um, so yeah. all of my fundraising that I'll be going through, not only will, you know, hopefully Josh continue sharing um, his journey, but then also my own I'll be sharing as well. And so I, I hope that that's valuable. Um, where are the mailing list signups? Where are we at? Uh, pretty much it's pretty much stabilizing. Um, not, uh, not, not seeing the huge spikes that I did initially. Um, but that's, you know, it's kind of expected, especially when, you know, there's definitely been a big shift from marketing to, uh, working on the pitch deck and kind of trying to figure out where or how we're going to fund this. Um, so, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's really just kind of like, uh, stabilizing around like 30 kind of like, you know, uh, like views a day, you know, so. That's good. It's more than we're getting. So, well, now nah, if you look at all my content, it's a little more than that, but still. So right now you're tinkering with the machine to make sure that's all working right before right. you take it out on the road again. Right. I've been trying to optimize the landing page so that I can actually drive more signups, but you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely interesting, uh, basically figuring out what you need to work on at this particular time. You know, do you work on, your pitch deck do you work on optimizing landing pages do you you know should i just be coding right now you know so i I, i've made the decision to kind of you know step back uh uh, optimize the landing page at least once or twice a week and work on this this whole business operations side for at least the month of january that's that's for sure so yeah, that's always the tough part is figuring out as the as a CEO, um, as a CEO and founder. Scott, I appreciate your hustle, man. Good stuff. Um, so yeah. yeah, I gotta check that out. Conversionpros.co. Okay, <laughs> nice plug. Good stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean it, that's the hardest thing. I mean, f- for me, I mean. I don't even know how I decide what to work on. I mean, we've, we've got so many different things that, uh, that we're doing. Um, yeah, that's tough. That's one. I don't even know how to give advice on, but everyone kind of gets to the right place, I think, except for the people, like, because the reality around you is going to dictate whether that's the right thing to work on or not. As long as you're paying attention to reality and you're flexible, you'll be fine. Um, the only time I've seen people slip up is where they have a laser focus on some stupid stuff. That's just not working. Um, but nah, no one that's, that I'm talking to is going to have that issue. So, so cool, man. Well, okay. So I need to go eat some food, but, um, next time I want to hear more about, you know, how everything's going. Uh, but in the meantime, I'll check out the, the pitch deck and see if I can give you advice there. I've also got old examples of my pitch decks from, uh, sales beach that I've used to raise money. Um, and then I might have an old one from life 360 as well. Um, 
And then tomorrow I'm talking, and I, this won't be live because Ryan's prickly, but my friend uh, Ryan Becklin, who's the CEO of uh, Valatic out in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, Raleigh, I don't know. But um, so he has a very interesting take on fundraising. I'm sure it'll be very different than Chris's, but he's raised money from Mark Cuban. Um, from he just did a strategic round with Kaiser Permanente's uh, investment arm, which is pretty interesting. Um, Thank man, you. Scott's hustle so impressive. But um, but uh, but yeah. So I will. Um, so hopefully I'll I'll be able to send you some of his decks because I'm going to make him give me some as well. Because um, anyone that's been successful, I always want to see what they've done. So. Next week, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. I'll look at the pitch deck. In the meantime, anything else I can do to help? Uh, no, I'm just uh, – I'm actually going to send you an updated version of yes. the pitch deck. Yeah, yeah, I imagine it's dynamic. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that, that was cool. Awesome, man. Well, we'll talk next week, and then this, once I edit it, will be on iTunes and Stitcher, so hopefully the quality ends up being good. And um, Yeah. Excited. Yeah, man, it'll be a lot of fun. So next time we can get your co-founder in too, if you want. Okay. And then we can kind of do a team founder talk, which is my favorite, because then I get yeah. to see where all of your all of your ideas are different that you didn't realize yet. <laughs> oh, that would, that's probably going to be very helpful and painful, so. but helpful. <laughs> cool. All right, Josh, it's a pleasure as always, and we'll talk soon. All right, talk to you later. Later. Peace out, Trouts.